Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the Apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message.
your voices to sing Yahweh. Only a few more voices. Only a few more voices. I want you to sing it. Yeah. Sing it one more time. All female voices. Yahweh. Worship him, worship him, worship him. Worship him. Oh, you 
serving me, said the Lord. Keep on believing in me, said the Lord. You will never be disappointed. I have never disappointed anyone before. And you will not be the first. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. We are preaching. It's time to hear the word. 
and I'm going to talk to you from many accord and I want to talk about what is in your heart what is in your heart first John 2 15 first John 15 love not the world let's all read it together say it again. One go. Love not the world. You know the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. Love not the world. Love not the world. You know, when I became a Christian, there used to be this verse. Say, come out from among them and be ye separate. And touch not the unclean thing. Share. It was not easy. That love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, some of the things in the world are movies. If you dare watch movie, go to movie, you are a sinner on your way to hell. Hey, it was not easy for us. Oh. If you don't know and you put on lipstick and you come to church, you are, you are just a step away from hell. Or you were a woman and you wear pants, trousers to church. Hey! You are worldly. It's an abomination. And the worst of all, you come to church, you go to church and you are a woman, you don't have a scarf on your head. Hey! The angels won't come to church that day. Your, your head is uncovered. Then I read the verse. Therefore, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mr. Point, you don't know this verse. You, can, you, you, you cannot quote. You do know it. So we want to quote the whole world. Quote it. For God so loved the world. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That what? That believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that God be confused. He said, Ah, love not the world. The things of the world. Now the same Bible is saying that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So which is which? Which is which? You are telling me that I shouldn't love the world. 
And yet you are telling me that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. So how do I reconcile these two verses? Hallelujah. Today I want to talk to you about a very important thing. You see, most of us, not, I would say all, but I want to be safe and say most of us have careers. We have jobs. We are not full-time preachers. Even myself and Reverend Osei, we are not full-time pastors. Amen. So, this calling that we are talking about, how do we combine our careers and be able to fulfill this calling that is on us? Because, you see, everybody here is called. In case you have not learned as yet, I am here to tell you that you are called. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are who you are, you have a calling. Or some of you don't, still don't believe. You have not, you still not convinced that you are called. It's upon you are called. Uh-huh. Whether you like it or not, you are called. Amen. Alright. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Every Christian has been called. But as God has distributed to every man, comma, as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. As the Lord has called everyone. Are you, are you an everyone? Are you an everyone? Are you part of everyone? Auntie Maggie, are you part of everyone? Auntie Millicent, are you part of everyone? So you are called. Uh-huh. You are called. As long as somebody can say that you are part of everyone, you are called. Now, go to verse 18. Verse 18. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Any man called in circumcision, let him not be circumcised uncircumcised. Verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. You see the number of times talking about calling and the fact that you have been called. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Because he has first told you in verse 17 that every man has been called. 21. Are thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. Verse 24. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, do what? Therein abide with God. So you see the number of times he's talking about calling the fact that everybody has a calling. Hallelujah. So you are called. But you see, as ordinary Christians, all of us have careers. 
So, how do we achieve or be able to fulfill this calling? Because many of us have been, have been deceived or have think that when you talk about calling, talking about professional ministry, you see, oh, that he's been called to, uh, you know, he's a pastor. So he's the one who is called. That is why when we have a, a, a meeting, an evangelistic meeting, come for evangelism, they leave it to pastors and those who are called. Uh-huh. Because it's those who are called who must come and evangelize. So go on evangelism or even evangelize on the train, in the subway, in your uh, uh, buildings. Wherever you are, at your job place, evangelize. Oh, I'm not called to do that. You see? But I'm here to tell you that you are called. What is a calling? At this juncture, what is a calling? Have you thought about what a calling is? You see, a calling is, is a unique or, I would say, it's a special and a unique purpose that God has placed on you. Amen. And he has placed that purpose on you to bring him glory and to maximize the expansion of his kingdom. Every calling that you have must end up expanding the kingdom of God. And not you. Do you understand? The purpose for our being here in church and for being called for Jesus coming to die a painful death on the cross. My brothers and sisters, salvation was not easy, even though it's free, but it cost God a lot. Somebody had to give his life. And the reason why he gave up his life is so that you, when you come, you will also live for him. Hallelujah. You see, God did not just call you to come and enjoy. You see, this thing about I want to be happy is fine. But there's also the other side where the person who paid the price for you expects you also to do something for him. In appreciation for what he did for you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Is my English too big? It's simple English, isn't it? Uh huh. So far, you know it's coming. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm talking to us about the calling and our career. And I want to tell us that, you see, the purpose of your career. Or your job. I want to talk about your career because, you see, your, the profession you have may not be your career. The job you have may not be your career. Oh, am I saying something? Is it right? Uh-huh. The job you have may not be, you may be doing the job to act, end up pursuing your own career. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm right. Oh, okay. I can never be wrong. <laughs> the purpose of your career is to be able to make your calling easy. 
the purpose of your career is to make your calling easy. Do you understand what I'm saying? What, what, how will it make it easy? You see, your career should be able to provide. Let's say that you need resources. Your career provides the resources for you to be able to fulfill your calling. Your calling is that you win souls. Let's say I'm a pastor. My calling is to pastor, to teach, to preach. Okay? All the books I buy, it's not a church that buys for me. I buy the books myself. So my career is providing resources for me to fulfill my calling. Are you understanding it? The money that I get to buy books to do whatever I want to do so that I can be able to teach or preach well. It comes from, you know, the Walla Tuwala you know. So the, the career that you have, the purpose of that career that you have is not for you to enjoy the money so much that you forget God. The purpose of the career that you have is to provide resources for you to achieve and fulfill your calling. It is high time that Christians understood that we have been called. Everybody has been called. Hallelujah. I cannot emphasize that enough. Now, I'm just starting now. I'm just starting. Your career should not lead God out or set up a rival kingdom. When you do that, you will not see the blessing of God on your life. And I want to give an example. You see, we all know about Lucifer. How many have heard of Lucifer before? You haven't heard of Lucifer before? You haven't heard, lift up your hand. If you haven't heard of Lucifer before, lift up your hand. Okay. Lucifer is the name for Satan. Satan's original name was Lucifer. Okay. He had the best call that you can have. He had the best call. I mean, the guy was leading. Every angel was supposed to look up to him. When it comes to praise and worship. The whole heavenly host. The Bible says that pipe organs and guitars and everything was, was in him. So when the guy lifted up his voice, the whole heaven rocks with worship. It's a, I mean, when he sings, it's a complete orchestra. That's how powerful the guy was. Hallelujah. But you see, he decided to break off in his own career. He decided to break off his own career and form his own company. Do his own thing. Are you understand what I'm saying? Look, it wasn't because Lucifer didn't like his job. Lucifer liked his job. He liked it. The difference was that he was doing, he, he wanted to do his job in his own way to build up his own kingdom. What I'm telling you, 
Listen carefully what I'm telling you because I'm coming to a point. Lucifer liked his job. But he was doing his job according to the way he wanted it and so that he could achieve his own desire and to build his own kingdom. And that must be a lesson to all of us as Christians. That your career, everything that you are doing is supposed to give God glory and to maximize his kingdom. Every calling that you have is supposed to give God glory and to expand his kingdom. Not to expand your kingdom or your father's kingdom or anything else. That is the reason why we are still alive. Otherwise, we should all be dead by now. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason why you are still alive is so that you can expand God's kingdom and give him glory. Say amen. amen. So what I'm saying is that every career that you have should represent God. What am I saying? You see, if you are a doctor, you are representing God where you are so that when people come, they will see how God will treat people as a doctor. Do you understand it? If you are a businessman, you are to behave and do your business in the way you do your contract and cut business and all the things you are doing so that people will see how God will do business with a human being. If you are a nurse, you don't insult people when you are giving them injection. And then you are insulting that you are putting the thing in their, 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 their bomb bomb. You put in a bomb and you are saying that uh, your bomb bomb is too hard. Your bomb bomb is too hard. Oh, it's too hard, so what? You cannot only get soft bomb bomb all the time. Oh, sometimes you get hard, hard ones. Doctor, have you met hard ones before? Amen. So people will have to see how God, you see, we are representatives of God though, as Christians. This calling that we are talking about, don't let it be some high, something that is up in the sky that we, 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 is it, we let's bring it down on it. That's why I'm, I'm talking to you about you and your career, the calling and your, your career, how your career affects your calling. Because apart from your career, where else? Apart from the job that you do, where else? Hallelujah. So wherever we are, we have to. That's why I've coined a word, a word that you have to kingdomize your career. Tell your neighbor that kingdomize your career. Kingdomize it. Kingdomize it. Hallelujah. So when we're talking about career, we're talking about your work. Isn't it? Talking about your work. But you see, you can't talk about work. I will come back to the world thing. I will explain later. So remind me. It's upon 
Remind me that I will explain about the world, the two things, okay? If I don't get to it, it's your fault. If I don't get to it, I don't explain it, it's your fault. Because I've given you the responsibility to remind me. Uh-huh. No, I'm, when I get there... <laughs> so, so when you're talking about work, you see, because your career involves your work, isn't it? All right, so when you're talking about work, we have to trace work back to God. We have to trace work back to God. You see, working is not evil. It's not bad. Because the first person who worked was God. Amen. The Bible says that on the first day, he created this. Second day, he did this. God was the one who worked first. And then the Bible said on the seventh day, he rested. Now, now, God did not rest because he was tired. Listen, it wasn't because he was tired that he rested. Because after all, it didn't take him much work to create the, the world. In fact, in some age, the Bible says that he created the whole world by the finger. By just a finger. It's like this. You see? So when you are lifting something up with your finger, it shows how easy the thing is, isn't it? Even if you raise the thing with your arm, it's more, I mean, the thing is more, it's heavier than lifting. And the Bible says that by the finger, by his finger, he created the whole world. Because all that God had to do to create the world was to speak. You see? So when the Bible says that he rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was tired. Are you getting it? It was rather for him to enjoy what he had done. So rest, Sabbath, was for God to enjoy. To sit back and look at what he had done and say, that, oh, everything I've done is good. Hallelujah. So he rested because he had finished. I don't know whether you're understanding it. The point you look, are you understanding? He rested, you see, because in our world, when we say we are resting, we are resting because we are tired. But to God, he rested because he had finished. And there's a difference. Amen. You see, this is so important so much that he even instituted the Sabbath as a law. Something that must be done. And if you don't understand Sabbath, you, 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 you get confused. That's why many people have got, become confused about Sabbath and have formed churches and things and blasting us for coming to church on Sundays and all that. You understand? But to the point, look, it even went on from Old Testament to on to even New Testament. So Hebrews 4 chapter 9 says that there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains, Sabbath just means rest. Amen. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. Hallelujah. So the purpose of resting was to enjoy his own handiwork. What, what is the purpose of Sabbath? I want, please don't sleep. 
I am teaching you something so important for you to understand why you have a career. Because your career involves work. Hallelujah. He was teaching us as human beings that you cannot separate work from him. You see, because when God created man, he was the one who gave man work to do. Work was before the fall of man. Do you understand? Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 28. Genesis 1 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon upon the earth. So it was God who gave them, you see, God gave them a command, a work to do. Now, you realize that man was doing the work to the point when God gave him the job of naming the animals in the world. Man wasn't tired. I mean, you just imagine naming, they have been given the opportunity, the, 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 the duty of naming animals. So you bring in all the animals and give them names. And with that, you know, the anointing, the, what, the, the mind, whatever he has, he's able to give every animal a name based on the way they behave. But man was not tired. What came in was sin. Sin, when sin came in, work became toil. Are you understanding it? Work that man was doing, that he was enjoying, now became toil. The reason why it became toil, you see, you must understand the cases that God pronounced. He was not the one bringing the curses to. People don't understand it that uh, uh, God cares. Yes, but what he was telling man and the woman was what was going to happen because now they have shifted allegiance. Do you understand? So when you were under me as God, you did not feel tired when you were working. But now that you've shifted allegiance and you've gone under Satan, that's what is going to happen to you because Satan will make sure that now you sweat. Satan will make sure that now when you are going to give birth, you have labor. You understand? So God was actually telling them what was going to happen. And that's what many people confuse. When God says something that's going to happen, they think that it's God doing it. It's not God doing it. He's telling you what is going to happen. The fact that God, God is telling you what is going to happen doesn't mean that he's the one doing it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Hmm. So, why am I say, coming, come, I'm saying all this? I am teaching you about work and what it involves. You see, so the moment Satan came in, if, when, you read the, when you read the Bible, you will find out that after that, everything that man did, 
Even when it was good, the Bible calls it a deed. So, in Isaiah 64, he says that all our righteousness is what? It's as filthy rags. All our righteousness. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So, even the good that we were doing were like filthy rags. Why? Because God was not in it. Everything that we did, God was not in it. And everything that you are doing that God is not in it, no matter how good it is, it is. See, that's why last week when Reverend was teaching, he said that, you see, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that, says that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. And so it, it's only in Christ Jesus that your work becomes good. It's only in Christ Jesus. Anything that you do, and Christians must understand, you see, you can say that you are helping the poor. You can give the money as many as many millions and trillions and to end up because as long as Christ is not in it. As long as you are helping somebody, you are giving somebody money and you are not letting the person see Christ. Whatever you are doing, because at the end of the day, the person is going to hell. It's going to hell. You can build houses for the person. You can do whatever. But if you do not let the person know Christ, God sees it as unrighteous, as filthy rags to him. Filthy rags to him. Hallelujah. So, it is only in Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9. And then Nehemiah 13, verse 14. You see? So, so listen, read this. It says that, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man, which is what? His deeds. So, for most of the time, when the Bible is talking about what we do, even though it's in the Greek, deeds and works are the same words. But when they are translating, they, they, they give the old man, you see, before Christ, Gives him that he, they, they, they describe it as deeds. Nehemiah 13, verse 14. Nehemiah. Remember me, oh my God, concerning this. Wipe not out my what? Good deeds that I have done for the house of my God. You see? But the moment you come to the New Testament and Christ comes in, that is why when, he's, when he was writing the letter, letters to the churches in Revelation, he said, I know thy works. I know thy works. To Smyrna, I know thy works. Philadelphia, I know thy works. Now, he doesn't call them this anymore. Are you understanding it? Uh-huh. He doesn't call them this anymore. He calls works. You see, so good works are only done in Christ. Amen. So why am I saying all this? What I, the reason I'm saying all this is that you should never separate your job or your career from God. Otherwise, whatever you are doing becomes a filthy rag. 
it won't make any sense and it won't have any meaning if you separate your job that you are doing from God. But you say, oh, uh, Pastor Joe, I, mean, my, my, I, I pay tithes. I give offering. Big, big offerings. Share. We'll see. Hallelujah. Because, you see, there are many people, many of us, like I'm saying, you see, we think that and we've separated these two things. We say, oh, the man has, this one has a secular job. And this one has a sacred job. So if you're a pastor, you have a sacred job. If, if you are working, it's a secular job. But I'm here to tell you that in Christ, there is nothing like secular. There is nothing like secular. It's the world that we call it secular. But to a Christian, there is nothing secular. Or you don't, you don't, you don't agree? You see, because the moment you are in Christ, you are a sanctified person. You are a saint. Eh? Even Mr. Pond is a saint. Mr. Pond is a saint. Another one is a saint. Auntie Betty, who has refused to sing solo, is a saint. Auntie Jessie is a saint. Because, you, you see, we were taught that when you do a good Christian work for a long time and you die, then the church can decide whether you'll be a saint or not. But you see, the Bible, when Paul was writing his letters, he wrote them to saints. He said, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Colossae, to the saints, when you become a Christian, you put your your, your trust in Christ, that very day you are washed, you become holy, and you become sanctified, and you are a saint. A saint is somebody who has been sanctified. Even though you're not dead. Yeah. You don't die before you become a saint. You become a saint before you die. Hallelujah. Yeah. You become a saint before you die. If therefore you are a saint, you are sanctified. Everything that you touch is sanctified. You didn't hear me. Every job that you are in is sanctified. So there is nothing secular about what you are doing. There's nothing secular about it. You don't believe me. Let me give you some verses. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians 3, 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not unto who? As to who? Uh, if I see you sleeping, I'll mention your name. Nobody should sleep. Me, I, I'm talking and you are sleeping. You see. <laughs> Linda, what did that Bible? What does it say? You see, one of the people, one of the people, one of the people, your mouth is shaking. 
Anopopo is Greek word for shaking. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as, it, as to the Lord and not unto man. Did you understand what she was saying? Are you sure? And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to who? And not to who? Why do you think that he's emphasizing on the Lord and unto men? And men? It's whatever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, not unto men. Because the people who was writing to were lay people who were working. See, and he's telling them that whatever you do, whatever you are doing is sacred to God. So in your job, work as if the Lord is there. Don't do it unto men where you only do good when your boss is around. Even in church, you only come early when Reverend or say or Pastor Joe or somebody is, but you will not do the right thing when pastors are not around. Do it, whatever you do. So when you are walking and you see a sister or a brother and you don't greet him or her, and then you come, you see Pastor Joe and you greet him, you are not doing it as unto the Lord, you are doing it as unto men. It's hard time we take off this hypocrisy in our lives as Christians. So. It's hard time. Abba. It's, it's amazing how people behave. You know you are not coming. Reverend Ossie has called for a meeting. You, is there how many people will come from here? Yes, that was so sad. I was just, look, I stopped whatever I was doing. I, said, I was there, something prompted me I should come. And come for a rehearsal. I wasn't supposed to be there. I said, let me come. Went to a rehearsal. Those who, who, last Sunday, everyone I saw, I said, I called a meeting. Who come? Oh, everyone come. The people were not there. Even some had traveled. Oh, it pain. Because you knew you were traveling. Why didn't you tell the person you were traveling? Why? Look, as much as Reverend is anointed, the anointing comes from God. At the end of the day, it is God. It is God we, do. we have to do. The Bible says that it is God we do because it is Him that all things are open to God. Everything is open to Him. We are mere men. The pastors are mere men. The one who blesses is God. Hallelujah. That is why when you are at your job, you are stealing your employer's time. You are a thief. You are a Christian thief. You are supposed to close at four. You leave at three. And then you tell your friend that, oh, clock, clock for me. Clock for me. You are a Christian thief. You don't know that you have a calling. That is why nobody in your job is following you to church. Your boss, this papers, papers, and you are stealing. 
whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. Talking about your career and your calling. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 21 31 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to what? To the glory of God. Whatsoever. You see whatsoever is whatsoever. It's not only in church. Whatsoever you are doing. So how can you separate your work from God? Because everything you are doing is supposed to bring God glory. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Whatever you are doing. Whether you are driving a taxi is supposed to bring God glory. Whether you do, you work at ABC. You know ABC? American Botox Cleaning. It is all to the glory of God. Hey. Some work at CBS, some work at ABC. ABC, American Botox Cleaning. You do all to the glory of God. Mr. Pran. You see, that is why even in James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to James chapter 4, verse 13. James 4, 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Yeah. Verse 15. Madafo, hurry up. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. My brother and sisters, he did not write this to unbelievers so. You see, when we read this, we think he's talking about unbelievers. He wrote this to Christians. And he's saying that even in your business deals, acknowledge God. Do it with the permission of God. Do it as if you are doing it unto God. Because you don't even know what is going to happen tomorrow. I'm talking about your career and your calling your job, and your calling. Because we, we, we tend to separate our jobs from our calling. And we don't know that's where God is expecting us. You see, the kingdom of God, the principle of the kingdom of God is discipleship. Do you understand? Is it too big? What I'm saying, trying to explain is that the way the kingdom of God is supposed to work is through discipleship. What is discipleship? I 
I meet is a Christie. You see, is a Christie looks at my lifestyle. Sometimes I may preach to her, but most of the time, people don't get converted by preaching. Most of the time, people don't get converted by preaching. Many people get converted by watching us. So, as I'm going up and down, Sister Chrissy is looking at me. I'm working with her. So, he, she sees me. She sees that people are stealing time. I don't. The people are stealing the boss, his things. I don't. He sees people cursing. Some of us, the F and S, we know it more than even unbelievers. We curse more than unbelievers. So she, she doesn't hear me saying those things. She sees me as something, somebody. Ah, so she comes and asks me, Who are you? I mean, what? And then I begin to tell her. You see, so she is convicted by what the way I, I do things. Not so much. You see, that's why Paul said that ye are our epistle. You are our epistle. You are an epistle. You are a letter that God is writing to people who are looking. You are a letter. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, that is why now I come, I come to the world. You didn't mind me. You see, because if we understand that we are in the world and we are not of the world, but at the same time, the gospel is to the world, then we will watch how we behave. So when you're talking about the world, there are three words in the Greek that are translated world. You see, and they don't help people because you hear oh, the world the world the world the first greek word is the word cosmos k o s m o s cosmos cosmos refers to systems you see the system of things and refers to people okay so we have something like the world of economics or the world of sports it doesn't have a, 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 a geographical location, but it's based on systems. You understand? The way sports work or the way economics work. It's a world. Are you understanding it? Then we have another word, which is ion. A-I-O-N. You see? So when the Bible says that love not the world, it's talking about the cosmos, the systems of the world, the way things are. And Christians... We love some world. We love the world. May. Then it says that, you see, for example, uh, Matthew 28, verse 20. So when he says that, go, do you know that all of us quote the, that, that verse, go ye into all the world and, pre and teach the gospel. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? 
Oh, is that not what he said? Go into all the world. Yeah. But he didn't say go into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here, the world is not cosmos. You see, here, the world is aeon. Aeon refers to an age, a time. You see, so we're talking about the end of an age. Are you understanding it? The end of an age. There's going to be an age, and a certain time is going to end. You see, as you contrast it to the world as the systems, then the actual earth is the word ukumeni. Ukumeni. O I K O U M E N E. Which refers to an inhabited earth. But it's also translated world in the English language. You see, so you look at. A, a verse like I think Acts, Acts chapter. Let me look for the verse for you. Acts chapter seventeen, verses. Acts seventeen, verse six. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, "These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." He's not talking about systems now. He's talking about the inhabited a, a, a certain group of. People who live in a certain area. If you understand, okay, go to 24 verse 5. Acts 24 verse 5. Acts 24 verse 5. For we have found this man, a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. You see, all the Jews. So he's talking about an, a, a place where Jews live. So the word here is not cosmos, it's not aeon, but it's Ikumini. Are you understanding it? So what the Bible is saying is that he has sent us into the systems of the world. Going into the world. He has, sent, he has sent us into the systems. So we are supposed to influence the system. We are so, that's what the Bible, Jesus Christ said that the children of, of light, we are not smart. He said that children of darkness are even smarter than the children of light because they are able to use the system for their own advantage. But look at us Christians. We will withdraw. And even if we don't withdraw, we will, we will allow the system affect, influence us. And so you see a Christian, a Christian teacher must, must love the children that he's teaching and influence them for good. You don't see the child and the hair, your head like a coconut. You won't amount to anything. Your head like, you're, you're a teacher. You are insulting the children. You don't love the work you are doing. You're not influencing the people. Hallelujah. Your career or your job and your calling. It's so important to God. What you do? Let me give you quickly examples of people. See, I'm showing you because you see, some of the most powerful people in the Bible were not full-time ministers. 
They were not. Some of the people who accomplished so great things for God were not even called prophets. One of them is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was somebody who had a, a good job. He had a job. In case you don't know, he had a job. And the job was to be uh, 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 the king's car bearer. You know the uh, 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 car bearer? He would, if anybody wants to poison the king and want put it in the, in the, the man is supposed to drink it first so that he will die first. For the king, <laughs> for the king to survive. Look at the job. So one day he was there and then his brother came from uh, they said, uh, 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 Israel, Judah. And he asked him because they, they were in captivity. See, he asked him, uh, his brother, wow, what's going on in, in our land? And the man told him that, Fat, all the walls have been broken down. Oh! So he had a bedding. He had a bedding to rebuild the walls. You see? But he was not a prophet. He was a car bearer working for an unbeliever king. Working for an unbeliever king. And yet he had a burden for the work of God. And God gave him favor before the king so much that the king even gave him everything that he needed to go and build. You see? So if you at your job you have a burden for the work of God. God can give you favor before your bosses. But we don't do that. We have no burden for the work of God. We don't. It's like, you know, I, I'm working. Me, me, my job is it's difficult to. Hey, you don't know my word. You pastor, you want me to come to church every Sunday. You, you don't know how I get tired. And you have no, I mean, the work of God is not associated with whatever you do at work at all. At all. I'll give you another example. Daniel. Daniel, eh? His book, the book of Daniel, it is so accurate that at a point people do not believe that it was written by Daniel. Yeah. Many people did not believe that the book was written by Daniel at that time. Even if they believed that it was Daniel, they did not believe that it was written the time that they say it was written. Why? Because it was so accurate. And yet Daniel was not a prophet. He was not a pastor. He was an ordinary citizen, somebody who was working for another king. But look, I'm telling you, oh, we, we, we shouldn't take our jobs for granted. We must use our jobs to pursue the kingdom of God. To achieve something for God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That you have a calling. You have a certain call to your place. That the people who don't know God must see you and start asking questions. Some of us who are at your place and the boys, they see girls and they talk about girls and you're also talking about girls with them. All sorts of things they say, and then you are saying, and you are laughing. <laughs> oh, you are, are you sure? Hey, the guy is going, 
hey, the guy has, hey, look, you look, you look, it's still, hey, good. Oh, stop that, dude. Oh, he has a nice bum bum. Oh, that's not a nice bum bum. You see, you're a Christian. Christian brother. Hmm. Hallelujah. Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. I'm ending. I, I have a lot of things to say, but they say my time is up. So, let me try and end. Linda, are you there? All right. Daniel 1 verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion. Read the whole thing, but I just want you to see something. These were people, Daniel was among the group of people who were taken to captivity. Okay? Then, before, for them to, to do I mean, to be accepted or for them to, to, to do uh, the king's work at that time, they had to be paganized. When I say pagan, do you understand? Because Babylon was a pagan country. You see, so they had to secularize them. So they, started, they gave them uh, pagan names. Like Daniel was called Belteshazzar. That is where we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not their... their Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Abednego were not their real names. Shadrach, Mr. Abednego were Babylonian names that were given them. Do you understand? So for them to be accepted into the society, they had to be secularized. They had to be paganized. And that's happening today. It's not happening today. People, we are being secularized and paganized that we can't even see. They have to teach them their doctrines. Teach them evolution. Teach them things that deny God. Because they, were, they, knew, they, they had doctrines that believed in God. So they had to teach them things that deny God. And you many of you say that you don't even know that the things you are teaching your children or you are being taught are things that deny God. You don't even understand it. You believe in evolution so much and you don't even understand that evolution is, is a denial of, of, of God. So, they come and say that, look, uh, 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 we're going to give you meat because the king said that he wants people who serve him and before you go and you stand before the king you must be giving food you see so that you look fat if you come before the king and you are you are you, you are lean it's like something is wrong you see so they have to give you food for you to like like someone like this she will qualify to qualify for the job straight no you disqualify you are disqualified. You see? So, <laughs> so they gave them food and everything. But Daniel went and said, please. So Daniel purposed in his heart. Read. It is, if the Bible is yours, underline it. He purposed in his heart that he would not define himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the Enoch that he might not defile himself. Why? Because the food that were given to them were offered to idols. Before they give the meat, the food is offered to idols first. So the meat is coming from the, from the temple. You understand? So he was saying that he would not eat something that is, that is dedicated or is coming from the, from the idol. Wow! Wow! 
He will not defile himself. I have a lot of things to say about this one. I don't know whether I can end. Yeah. He purposed in his heart. Number one, he was committed. That shows that he was committed. Even in a foreign land. Even in a foreign land, Daniel was committed. To the point that he would not defile himself. That shows commitment. Some of us, some of us, we think that we must become believe, unbelievers. We must be like them so that for us to, to affect them. Which is a lie. We must dress like unbelievers. So you are a believer, but half of your, your breast we can see when you are in town. When you are coming to church, you dress nicely, but when you are walking in town, you, half of your breast is the same as unbelievers. We can see half of your breast. And the way you are exposing your half of your breast is you have, letting men have erection all the time. When I see your breast, they have erection. They say, walk in a, oh Lord, have mercy. Oh, look at that. Oh Lord, have mercy. Because you are showing your breast. Your breast is a sexual organ. If you don't know. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Ah. He will not defile himself. He will not defile himself. Then, the question of the prince of the Enoch that he might not defile. Continue reading. At a point, he said that, now God had brought them into a place. At a, at, I want the place where he, he said he wanted to eat fruits and stuff like that. Go to chapter 2, 47. Chapter 2. No, 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 not, not that one. No one. There's a verse. 112. Okay, go to 112. Go to 112. Go to 112. Aha. Uh-huh. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pearls to eat and water to drink. Prove. Prove thy servant, I beseech thee ten days. You see, when I read this, at first I don't understand. I said, ah. And God was showing me that, you see, they did not only refuse to act like unbelievers, but they went ahead to give a better reason and a better idea. I don't know whether you're understanding me. They did not only refuse. But then they prayed to God and God gave them a better idea how to achieve what the unbeliever uh, uh, had or whoever wanted to achieve. All the unbeliever had wanted was what? So that they would look nice. Isn't it? Okay. So eat meat and these things. Do this and then you go. Then he said, no. I won't eat it. But he don't only stop there because many of us, we just refuse to do things. You see, but he went ahead and proposed a better idea. And God blessed the idea so much that the, the, the Enoch, the head, was so pleased that he even uh, 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 took his idea and gave it to all the other people. Are you understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to see, God showed me this, that when you become committed to, his, to him, even in the midst of unbelievers, he will make sure that your idea, he'll give you ideas that even the unbelievers will, will accept. You see, because the bottom line, look, the bottom line is that your boss, 
all he's interested in is the greens, isn't it? Uh-huh. The reason why he looks at your job and all this is how your productivity is. The, uh-huh. So if your boss, an unbeliever, can see that you are doing very well, he will promote you. He will promote you. And that promotion is not going to come when you compromise. Even though some, you may compromise and get it, but it's not, it doesn't bless God. You see, that's what the Bible says, that the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. It has no sorrow. It makes rich. It has no sorrow. I have more to say, but time is gone. So I will end here. My message to you, the crux of the matter is that do not take God or separate God away from your career or your job. Let people see God in your job. Understand that you have a calling, a higher calling that is supposed to draw people to Christ at your workplace. If you understand it, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right. Father, we thank you. Thank you that Lord you brought us thus far. I pray for strength for, for us as lay people, as people with careers that will glorify your name at our workplaces. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it's time. We hope you've been blessed. For copies of this message or other such messages, please write to us at tapes and publications at yahoo.com.